everybody. Welcome to Improv FAQ at length. This is a series of longer conversations about improv topics that have lots of questions surrounding them. I'm James Quesada. And I'm Bob Wick. And we have a very special guest with us, our good friend, Jennifer Sosha. How's it yeah. going, Jenny? Hello. Yeah, it's going well. How are you guys doing? <laughs> yeah, we were, well, we were just talking about it, like <laughs> all things considered, I find, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but thank you for joining us. We're really excited to have you on as a guest. Yeah, for sure. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. And um, so the topic for the episode is going to be one that you suggested of power dynamics. And um, you told us a little bit about uh, just the idea of that on stage and off. And um, if you could, do you want to start us off just by what you had in mind with that topic? Yeah, sure. Um, I guess lately I've been Lately, meaning the last few years, um, I think I've been thinking a lot about uh, power dynamics, both on stage and off, like you said, um, and basically how we either in scenes or as groups or as theaters or as an overall community, how we approach power dynamics and uh, the responsibility that comes with that and how those manifest uh, in our performance and are the way that we grow into performing and all sorts of stuff just like a light easy breezy topic <laughs> <laughs> what i've been thinking about a lot yeah well okay so um let's uh you you mentioned like uh, I, I guess what, what i'm trying to uh, to like kind of get details on is is like are you, are you talking about like um you know so, socially and um the, the the like gatekeeper idea of like uh opportunity and and things like that yes some of that okay um i think so the thing that i guess i've been thinking about quite a bit is we say so much that you know improv imitates life right um yeah. and that comes out to to bear in scenes and everything like that. But um, is, for example, like a social power dynamic or somebody who has uh, power in a theater or in a group or whatever, like how does that influence the improv itself that you're seeing? Like, how does that actually, how do we see that on stage? And, and what does that mean for what we see? And what does that mean for how we play when we are on stage, regardless of like the group that we're in, uh, things around that? Does that make sense? Yeah, like like uh, power or or kind of leadership. I mean, correct me if I'm if I'm off target for what you're talking about, but like like the more um, in a position of power somebody is, they're going to put a certain. Um, type of performance on stage and that might influence like the style of the theater and people might play mm -hmm. to match that and uh and then also on the other end of it is is that like well if you don't really have a lot of power or influence or you don't get along with people who uh uh give opportunity then you won't see a certain type of improv uh on stage and the representation of of um uh, a certain playing style or voice or whatever um will be absent I mean, am I on the same page or no? Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about right. Um, I also think it's interesting to think about, um, say you're in a show that has been cat, you've been cast in a show at a theater and you're playing with people who may have been your instructors. How does that influence how you play? Right. How does that influence like how comfortable you are jumping in things, things like yeah. that. Like even as I think people make, um, efforts to bring people up. What does that really mean? How does that, how does that look? Um, just things like that. Yeah, yeah. I think we've all been in that position where we kind of backed off because someone who we perceived had higher status, even not their character in the scene, but just as individuals. Cause like you said, like uh, past instructors or owners or whatever are, you know, jump in our scene and like, well, let's listen to what they have to say because obviously they're the kings of or queens or whatever, the 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 keepers of improv. So my idea couldn't be as good. So they, so you hold back and, and that does affect the scene. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I, I think it's also interesting, like 
I know for sure that I have been in positions where I have been uh, on a stage with people that I respect greatly and that I saw a lot when I was coming up. And even if I had like a, a higher status character in that scene, it's so like clear to me inside at the very least that I'm like going to defer to whatever they say. <laughs> right? Um, and I've also been on the other side of that where I have been in, uh, in a set or, or doing a scene with somebody who I had taught and, you know, just you, you can see that someone is deferring to you. And I have also caught myself hopping out like I'm going to run it because I've been improvising for so long, you know, and I wonder how much yeah. of that was on the other side of it when I was feeling like I would better like just shut up and go along with whatever, you know, it's, it's like kind of how your, your ego and your power get wrapped up into what you bring with you on the stage. That's our, like, that's an interesting concept because part of the reason why we get on stage in the first place is because of, I, I think because of our ego, you know, there's something in us that wants us to like, Hey, here I am. I'm going to make you laugh, you know? And, and to put that in check is when you become the artist. Right. So, so being aware of that is just a thing in the first place. I think is the first step, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. Yeah, the the ego side of it definitely uh, is a huge role in like uh, status and like also self perception uh, in terms of ego. Like, um, because I feel like some people also are, are like just kind of throw caution to the wind. And probably there are some people who are less concerned about this that would be like an anomaly to me. But like, I don't know. I just think of like uh, we were talking about Alex Mara recently, um, and, uh, <laughs> and like he, he's a good friend of mine. That's that's always just been kind of like just a hundred percent confidence all the time. And we, he and I started improvising together and I feel like he's probably, I, I would have to, I can't speak for him obviously, but, but like, I would guess that he uh, feels this sort of stuff um, in his own way. But I also assume that like with the amount of confidence that he has, that um, he might be able to overcome it um, more. So like, I don't know your, your self-esteem, your ego, um, and, and your like real and perceived status are, are all like this mixed, um, pot of, uh, it just, just complication, um, when you want to just be able to free play. Yeah. And I mean, I, I can totally see what you mean, um, about Alex and having a lot of confidence in getting out there. I, I do when the first thing that pops up in my mind when I think of that though, is that like on a society level, like in a world level he is kind of at like the top of that power <laughs> pyramid too. Yeah. So, like it might be um, a little bit of a different experience in that way. Totally. Um, yeah. So I wonder about that. Um, Cause I'm, I'm certain that frankly, my whiteness helped me to feel a lot more comfortable moving through and operating in the space of improv um, when I first started and, and probably like, continued to so i wonder if like that's part of like the power dynamic that i've been thinking about too is like uh how i don't know like is there is there space for everybody and like how does that space inform how you move up or if you even show up again um my brain is really all over the place on this topic no I, it's interesting <laughs> no I, I really like this and I, I think there is space for everybody, but it's, it's always moving. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it should be adjusting and readjusting and, and questions like these help. Um, because like I, God, when I started, I remember like having a female on the team was unusual so i i would imagine even being a white female at the time would have been difficult you know or i don't i don't know how to say this stuff if you and it feels stupid for a white guy to say stuff like this you know like well i, I would imagine that you know like but how could i ever <laughs> fucking know you know how could i honestly how could i know you know um but i do I, like the micro of this I, like when we're teaching class you see 
maybe there's a group of friends who are comfortable with each other and who may not go out when someone who's not in their clique go out there. I mean, that's a different version of the power, you know, the power dynamic. Like, oh, these four people go out to eat after and they don't invite Frank. But and when Frank gets out there, they don't like to play with him, you know, like and that's that's part of the problem too. Like it's it should be all accepting. Yeah. I, I think it's it's like uh it's the question of of how to how to make systemic change, right? Is is that like it, the part of the reason that it's so overwhelming is that um you know it, it it there's a cycle and there's a system and it's like well how do how does any one piece uh affect the others and um if you want to make change um what does need to change or like what's the what's the best starting place when it really is like this continuum um where all pieces kind of affect each other and i think that you're right bob that that like it is kind of like it's about like uh finding your people or or like um you know um seeing representation of uh any anything from like people you get along with to people that look like you um to people that have just your same uh social or cultural um expressions and uh that having a lot of one type of thing will make it very comfortable and easy for that to it like it's a momentum thing right for for whatever is already um kind of dominant to stay dominant or be more and more dominant and it's harder to like infiltrate um other um balances into that um it's it's a it's a uphill battle for those things to happen yeah i also think it's interesting like how how that kind of thing like um plays into what is rewarded on stage as well like, uh, what do you see when you start improvising? Like, what gets the biggest reaction, which is probably going to feel like the best thing? Like, I don't know about the two of you, but I know that when I started watching improv, the people who stood out to me the most were the people who were kind of like the boldest, like the, oh, the, yeah. the loudest, things like that. And, and over time, what I came to appreciate were kind of those like quieter players who were, who were like clearly paying attention and like sort of serving the scenes, the sets, the shows, whatever they were in, maybe a little bit more so than folks who might like initially grab your attention just as somebody who is just like observing and enjoying or something like that. Um, and I wonder, like, how much does that, how much of that becomes, like, I don't, I don't know. Do, do you know what I mean? Like, usually in scenes, I think the people who are playing, like, those bigger characters seem to have the most obvious power in the scene or the most obvious power right. over an audience or a direction or something like, like that. Like a stage presence. Yeah. 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 Stage presence. Yes. I guess, like, my... Uh, my view of who had power in a scene or who had stage presence in a scene kind of like evolved the longer that I did this. So like it, it may like appear that somebody is really like running the show, but there's like some person who's very like kind of quiet on the back line or just like coming in for those like more subtle moments who actually seems to be like steering the ship, I guess I'm going with yeah. like, boat metaphors. Now. <laughs> no, no, go for it. <laughs> I, I'm following. More so... wind in their sails. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. can really anchor the scene when they want to. <laughs> right. So then I think, okay, so follow me here. I'm going to go. <laughs> I, I love I this trip. Yes. So this is like what we're watching, right? As a new improviser, right. somebody in classes, you're watching this person who might be your teacher, might not be. This person is uh, really kind of having like the loudest stage presence in a okay. scene. Uh, who might you ask to be your coach? Someone like that. That's their style of play. Yeah. Like, does that power then become greater because they're now coaching a group of people and kind of like shaping their direction? Um, if more people are, if, if that person who is like the most dominant and seemingly confident is then coaching the most groups or talking about their philosophy, the most does that then 
give them more perceived power among the community as like those students come up? Like, how does that like perpetuate? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, no, yeah. I get that. Again, that like yeah cycle. Yeah. Well, I mean, there, there's a couple factors there because uh, not everybody plays that way, but some people who play that way are just going for the instant gratification of a laugh, the audience. Like, there's a there's a showmanship to it almost. And when you're first, when you're you know first starting, like when you're when you're like a student, um, that's very appealing because that's what you want—the laugh. You're focused on the laugh. And as you, you know, you guys know, as you progress, like the laugh is still fun. We all love it. But, you know, a great scene is more than just like a couple moments it becomes like something that's, you know, has a little more depth to it. So we kind of stay away from that. So I can see why at the time, like a, a student would find the, the first person more appealing, you know, rather than the second person. I always think of like Penn and Teller, like the loud one, you know, gets all the attention because he's ah, why the, like the quiet guys doing all the work and underwater the longest, and, you know, actually doing the magic is more impressive, but we all focus on the loud guy because he's, he's moving faster, you know, drawing yeah. attention. It's like a uh, overt traits um, versus, uh, you know, more subtle ones um, or uh, whatever. The, what's the opposite of overt? subvert some more subvert traits covert <laughs> covert yeah covert. <laughs> or covert revert traits. Yeah. um but yeah yeah i think that that is like okay they're they're it, it, it i think it takes um i see what you're saying especially I, I guess i don't um have like a uh argument or like a uh i just think it's a, a really valuable observation about how the most the most overt traits are the ones that are going to get the most attention um and how that is kind of like well what if those aren't like the most important ones or like are are that leads to a kind of misconception about what is valuable um and so people seek that out and it kind of be, there's like this kind of uh offshoot of uh um what the what the art needs um and it isn't getting it because because people aren't um, seeing where the value really is at its most, or or like or like less overt things are harder to see um, the value in, and so they get sought out less. Uh, and and again, that cycle of just like well, then those traits get like buried. Um, it is like this this weird kind of like uh, 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 art biology <laughs> and evolution. <laughs> of uh dominant traits and whatnot art biology i like that yeah. <laughs> yeah well i think that's like part of what's interesting too is like um the other thing that i think about with that is like sometimes i i, I guess like not of course not always of course not always but oftentimes i think folks who uh, focus. So if you see somebody who's very skilled and who's a very bold player playing with other people who they're attuned to and paying attention to, it can look like there's sort of steamrolling when maybe that's not the case. So you get somebody who's less skilled and less attuned. They are maybe a couple years, few years into their, their, uh, their their journey <laughs> yeah, so yeah on their boat yeah on their boat they're like a few years into the sea um and so they're almost like kind of parroting that behavior but it's yeah. in a way that actually makes it a little more difficult to like play with them or they're like doing that at like the expense of some other things then mm. you get like somebody who's like three uh <laughs> pumps of the oar into the lake like they're <laughs> it's really gross and i don't even think that's how you use an oar no no hashtag three pumps <laughs> so, gross. so like then that person sees it and seeks it out and sees that as like a way to play because maybe a person who is like um parroting something that they've seen by somebody yeah with skills like doing it without that skill like because there's no uh governing body <laughs> that's sort of like 
polices the use of your power in that case, like then I just wonder like what impact does that have? Like who's who is not even getting up on stage or not even saying anything more than like once or twice because they're like, oh, I see that. I'm never going to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That yeah. that may have gotten lost a little bit, but no, it's, no. It's like, you, it, I'm sorry. I, I'm <laughs> disagreeing. Uh, I totally agree. Because I know I've, I've heard so many stories of like, yeah, I was going to get up there, but they were all just going ahead or, you know, I, so I didn't get off the back line. I didn't do this, you know, like, gave everybody not everybody but a lot of improvisers because their artists have that that judge in their head so if there is a way to fire that guy or you know just get people out there but also like i think we don't focus enough on the best improviser is the person that makes the other people look well but we i don't think we celebrate that you know i don't think that's something we talk about enough uh, we talk about the 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 blow line or or, you know, who's got the most characters, but we don't talk about uh, like the Phil Hartman's of the world. You know, he's probably was the strongest person on SNL during his era. But during his time, I don't think he, people really notice what he was doing until he started playing like Clinton or something. Yeah, I guess like and, and all this is not to like. This uh, certainly if you're listening to this, it probably sounds like I'm bagging <laughs> on people who like play big characters or, or who are very bold. And that's not my intention. I guess my like question that I'm circling around is like, where, where is the like, res where, is where is the responsibility for that power? Like who hones that, who rewards which behaviors you want to see and like, is what you want to see. Like a lot of people, cause I, we talk a lot about like being unafraid and being bold. And I think that oftentimes when we talk about those things, the people who are more inclined to behave that way naturally or to, to have seen in their life, like, Oh yeah, I can take chances. I can, I can take big risks. I can do these things. Like they're likely to feel emboldened by that. And while that is being, rewarded what about all of the other people who have not had that experience or who have not been receiving those messages over and over again and like how do you how do right. we balance that like both as performers on stage and like each of us has like had some position of authority at a theater be it from being a director to being a teacher um, or just to being somebody who's been around for a long time that that people have seen perform. So, like, I, I wonder what you two think about, like, where does that responsibility lie? And am I totally off base? <laughs> no, no. I think this is a very important topic. Because uh, what, what, what I first think about before to answer your actual question is usually when we're doing that be bold speech, it's usually directed at someone who's not being bold enough. So we're taking care of the squeaky wheel, but I think it falls on, you know, you're talking, you're usually talking to a group. So the person that usually takes the charge is someone who's already does not need that note. So you're, you're, you're turning up, turning them up to 11 when you're just trying to get the, the person who was at a two to a, a five, if that makes sense, you know, knobs, uh, <laughs> you want to, you want them to give them to at least a five pump before they get to a 10 pump. <laughs> it's here. a thing. Anyways, uh, but I mean, now more than ever, I think personal responsibility for to actually answer your question. It's a personal responsibility for you to, I don't know, lead by example. And I don't know when you're having conversations with students, make that part of the the subject. You know, like not just celebrate their 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 blow lines and stuff like that, unless that's something they're working on. But you know, like try to. If you're playing with one, make sure you're taking care of them and that they you're, I don't know, approachable on stage, I guess. I don't know how to do it other than try to be as open as possible. Yeah. And I think that um, uh, taking what you're saying, Jenny, and applying it to like teaching and coaching style is really important is, is to like. I think uh, and so. There's a couple things that uh, uh, that I'm juggling in my head right now, but like, it's, and and one of them is that that um, the world of of coaching 
is uh, is such a wild west, um, which is you know a, a stupidly extreme um, title to put on it because like how much of a wild west can improv really be? But like, uh, but like it's it's just kind of like you know what I mean. Just just imagine if 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 uh, if there were as many like life coaches as there were, or maybe there are. There, I'm sure. Like, uh, it just um, coaching has more. Uh, impact on people than I think it the structure of how you become a coach or like who who's a coach and like what it means to be a coach would suggest uh, yes. is what I'm saying. Yes. Um, yeah. And I think for uh, like a coach or a teacher, like a, on a personal level, that that uh, the a really powerful thing that you can do is look to give people uh, guidance and support at, for what they need as a as like a person. Um, as much as like, as much as like what they, uh, need, how they need to accomplish any particular style, you know, like, uh, and what I mean by that is, is to kind of be like, well, relative to this person, can I learn enough about them to understand how big of a leap it is to play this way or to make this move or to take this note? Um, and if it's uncomfortable to do like, a crazy group game or to, to play real emotion, uh, that's going to be different from person to person. Uh, or play real heady when they don't have confidence in like their intellect or whatever. It's, it's like, find that for that person and uh, challenge and celebrate um, their performance based on how they're growing as a, as a person, as much as like whatever the end goal is for the the show or the, the playing style. Um, and I also think that uh, as a theater, it's really important to have like a mission statement, the way that like a nonprofit does of like what the, um, what the purpose of, of the play is. And um, it, at least we'll kind of give like an elevated thing to kind of point to and think about. And I, I just think that that's so important in, in, in uh, I really respect places that have a really clear um, mission statement that is both about the uh, art form and what, what that art form means toward uh, making the world a better place. Um, and again, that's kind of like this lofty thing that, that we sometimes undervalue as comedians, uh, because it, it's just improv or whatever. Uh, but, um, I, I, I think that, uh, it really can make such a huge positive or negative impact on people's, uh, lives and psyches, um, to, to, uh, try to grow, um, in this art form, uh, that it's worth having like a mission statement that, elevates that idea uh to an ideal um and then find app uh you know practical applications for for how to put it in your uh curriculum and reflect it on your stage and 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 whatnot if i can piggyback on that just really quick i think not just having a statement but also having structure because i think about some of the theaters that we've worked at like I remember being a student, like, how do I get to the main stage? There's no clear path. There's no clear path to getting on this or getting onto a written show. There's no, you know, because sometimes there's auditions and sometimes there isn't. So that leave, you know, so you're sitting there at the bar trying to figure out how to do this thing and it can get frustrating. And and that can lead to coming up with your own perception on how things work, which may or may not be true. I don't know. I I think that can be troublesome. Yeah, I totally agree. Um, James, when you brought up the, the, the relative lack of any sort of like governing body or like, uh, I, I keep saying governing body. I must have heard <laughs> it earlier. <laughs> governing body, everybody. Well, an admiral for the ship. <laughs> right. <laughs> Basically, when you were talking about how it really is the Wild West, both to in some cases be like a teacher at a theater to be a coach, especially Um, that type of power that you have over people. Like, I think that's one thing about improv that maybe people don't realize unless they're in it. Like when you start improvising, if you really get into it, you are in a very new and vulnerable state pretty much. And Mm -hmm. what you want is like valid like there, there's just a lot that comes with it. It's very emotional for a lot of people. I know that was definitely true for me. And I know that to have been true for many people that I came up with and, and got to know over the years. So 
when there are people who have power in those situations uh, and, and there's really no control over who that is, save maybe somebody who's running a theater, if they, if they really have the time and inability with like who, who they are and where they are with things to like really think about the impact that can have, like that, that's the part that I think about a lot where I'm just like, man, I don't think oftentimes as people, especially people that get really into improv, especially as you, you come to it, you're probably seeking something. There's a, an awful lot of community that comes along with it for lots of people. Uh, as you gain power, and I'll speak for myself too, as I gained power at the theater that we were at, like, I don't know if I respected that power or saw it for what it was. And, and I don't think a lot of people respect and understand that power that they have yeah. over other people when somebody walks into your classroom or when somebody sees you on stage and they're a student and that's like what they aspire to be. Cause we're just like, Oh, we're just, we're just doing, we're just making no. stuff up. It's uh, yeah, whatever. Yeah. And that can really be a very dangerous and sticky thing because we're all adults. Uh, everybody's coming at things from a different place. There's usually booze involved. Um, yeah. I think when you're a student, especially, you don't always realize, I, I think like you don't even realize the power dynamics that are there. Like I remember having interactions with some of my instructors that when I became an instructor, I went, Oh boy, <laughs> I don't know if that was like a great thing. But as a student, I was like, this is super amazing. We're just two adults that think each other is super funny. This is so cool. And like, right. it was, and it was like, fun. but like also when I became an instructor, I was like, oh, oh no, 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 no. And it just sort of like flipped how I saw things. And that's, that got me thinking about the power dynamics of it. That made me think about like, how was I playing on stage? And for like, if I, I don't know, like then how did I, how did I play based on that? And I, you know, it's, it's all very fucking complicated. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I feel you. And I, um, yeah, I don't know. There, there, there's like, um, uh, yeah, all, all sorts of like, uh, I, I guess what I wrestle with is, is like, what would be a more ideal kind of like, um, uh, rite of passage or like, uh, uh, you know, certification or whatever, like, like what, what is that, is that what's necessary is, is like to be, to have like the, uh, you know, the improv gods, <laughs> Uh, what did you what did you call it, Jenny? The governing governing body, the godly body. governing bodies of admirals. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. The governing body to, to be handing out like certifications for coaching to have to like because yeah. uh, that that's how a lot of like trades work. You know, is is yeah. like uh, you get certified uh, for certain types of uh, counseling or, uh, and that's different from like being a. Uh, you know, legally one type of entity from another or whatever, but like, is, is that what improv needs or is, is there, is there, is that like something that we need to be like, yeah, maybe we should have some kind of certification or is there a simpler way that, um, uh, we're not seeing and that's, you know, too, too severe or whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously a certification never really stopped somebody from abusing power. Right, like, right, right. <laughs> yeah. You can see that pretty clearly uh, everywhere you look. Yes. But I do wonder if there is room for more intentional conversations and more intentional, like, rule that maybe not. I, maybe rules, but kind of like you were saying how yeah. leaders should have a mission statement. Like I agree with that. And I, and I think maybe like something that could be built in a little right. more is like talking about like, you have this power, you have this responsibility. Yeah. Here's what that looks like. Even if you don't feel like you have power in this room right now, because you think that like, everybody like i'm just an improviser you're just an improviser like that doesn't 
that does, how you feel has very little to do with how much power you have in a situation like that. So maybe having some more intention around that overall would be valuable. Um, yeah. And yeah. I think that things, certainly since I've started improvising, things have moved in that direction. I think that that people are realizing a lot of things and starting to see certain aspects differently. Like I remember early on, I took issue with something that someone did. And like what I was told was like, well, when Second City was here, the auditioners would like comment on like women's tits. And I was like, thank you for that piece of information. Um, oh yeah you can't argue with that jenny Uh, i was like that sounds like it's true but uh, i i i sincerely don't think that now that would be the response and i think that's because like a lot of people have worked very hard to make people recognize and, and and start to put some balance and like whatever power structures are there and you know i think people are being like a lot more intentional about a lot of things but i just i don't know if a governing body is the answer for improv <laughs> probably not um i don't actually see how that would be enforced it would be difficult because I mean, we're all adults. All three of us here are dating other improvisers. So how do you make the rule? You know, it's you. But there's the obvious rules, like don't comment on the bodies of people who are auditioning. (laughs) That's that's not good anymore. (laughs) So going back to like personal responsibility, you you have like I like you you mentioned before, Jenny, like. When I first became an instructor, I didn't realize or gain power or whatever. I didn't realize that anybody perceived me as someone who had power because growing up, you know, growing up when I was four strokes into my, my, my boat journey of improv, I, I had people on such high pedestals. I I would never consider myself on a pedestal. You know, like I think of everybody who was like on main stage at Second City and all that stuff. Like, because when you're in, because, you know, when I was first introduced to improv, I drank the Kool-Aid. So everything was amazing. And I was that student that you were talking about. And yeah, I did have an incident where I I made a joke about an audition about with 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 the student who was being a little lippy at the bar. And I, I, and then I was just joking and it really hurt their feelings. And I felt horrible because coming out of my mouth, it, they thought that it actually meant something. And I, I realized right there, like, that's something I can't play with. I, you know, I was just trying to be ha ha and it wasn't perceived that way. So you got to be more fucking careful, Wick, you know? And then like, I think that's something I we shouldn't have to learn in in real time application. We should, as instructors, as people who have perceived power or actual power at the theater, it should be a conversation had. Yeah, yeah, I, and I, I guess that's 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 a uh, a big that can have a big ripple effect. Yeah. Is if if the um, the theater itself or the uh, circle of, of leadership is doing a good job. I would hope that that would have a ripple effect in similar ways to, you know, the negative side effects that you have been talking about, Jenny. I mean, do you think like, like can, can positive is, is it like always this kind of slippery slope (laughs) of just like, uh, you know, things getting more and more removed from, um, you know, a copy of a copy is something that people talk a lot about in, in, uh, improv, like, coaching generations is like it gets diluted or kind of like two-dimensional and more shallow or you get a copy of a copy of a style uh and then obviously like there's uh the the bad apple thing of like uh, how do you how do you have like a perfect airtight organization that doesn't have it just like sheer by but surely by numbers it's gonna like happen so like do you think that um having a positive core is to an organization can have the same kind of ripple effect that uh negative core can have 
Yeah, of course. Like I, I understand that like I, so my brain, I go to like problems that need to be solved and like, <laughs> how do those problems like, it like turn into other problems? Like, let's look how this, like, well, I don't know. I just look for, I think my brain trying to like protect against things and like look for fixes and look for concerns. I go to that, but I definitely think that this is not all a slippery slope into like shit world. Like (laughs) I wouldn't be talking about it if I didn't think that like there are ways that, that people grow and change and that as like organizations and communities, we can grow and change. And yeah, absolutely. I think that, I think it's, first of all, it's really, really hard to, step out of something that's like a deeply entrenched pattern. Um, And that can be at a theater that can be as like a community in general. Um, You know, I think that like, obviously there have been lots of scenes that have had like reckonings or whatever, or like a lot of information that like comes out and everybody's like, Oh yeah, this happened to me. That, that has happened so many times. And I think that it's because like that toxicity like breeds. Um, But I, at the same, like, like what you're saying, like I, I, James, I think that, um, you know, if theaters do make it a point to educate themselves and their instructors and the people that they're bringing in and putting on stage to have respect for the power that comes along with that, you know, like we're really comfortable telling people to wear show clothes, like that's <laughs> respecting your position. So like, yeah. if we think about this, as like a human to human interaction, like, you know, we should be teaching people to respect the power that they have and to use it to uh, like that kind of like that power. If, if you're an instructor at a theater, that theater is lending you power by giving their name and saying, this is a person that we are entrusting to have power. So that power is lent. You know, I think that part of the responsibility that also comes along with power that is lent to you is that you then lend your power to people who otherwise might not have it. You know, that, that, that can look like encouragement. Um, that can look like, you know, if you see an opportunity that would be really good for somebody like, like helping them find their way to it. Um, mm-hmm. I think at theaters that looks like rewarding the behaviors that you want to see more of and being intentional about it. Um, I think that that can look like, you know, being intentional about who you do put in power and like keeping an eye on it and having like some, some standards around it. Because I think that's the thing, like this of course has evolved over time, but like a lot of times it's just like, just don't be terrible. Well, like what does terrible mean? Because I've definitely had some conversations with people, not necessarily improv related, but just world related. Where like, when I say don't be terrible, what I mean is very different right. than what somebody else means when they say don't be terrible. So I think like, sort of like you were saying, like some clarity, like let's have some standards, let's have some intention, let's have some respect for the role that you might be playing in someone's life as a coach or a teacher, or even like, if you're doing a set with somebody that you don't know very well or somebody that you do know very well, like how do you respect that? We've been talking for a while, but open improv jams, that's a whole other can of worms. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, like, wow. How do you, and I think those yeah. are important, valuable. How do you as a theater as is like um as an individual as somebody who has run several of them oh my god jenny i mean you would have (laughs) you would have a freaking meltdown if you saw some of the jams i've seen in new york i i mean i fully believe uh, you they're just fight clubs like with like no context it's (laughs) i i can't believe it but i'm sorry i didn't mean to interrupt uh uh, no no i just think like all of this <sighs> improv should be really fun, right? right? And it should be playful and it should be like an exploration of all different kinds of emotions and experiences. And you get to play characters and, and you get to make things with your friends and you get to connect with people in this really beautiful way. And I think all of that is so great. And I think that 
with anything that is great and powerful and important, there is a lot of responsibility that comes along with it because all of that light <laughs> is going to be reflected and like, there's a dark side to that too. And yeah. if we aren't careful about how we're using all of that, that power, then, you know, we end up in situations that are super shitty. Yeah. Man. You're right. Jams are a whole can of worms. <laughs> oh, <laughs> that's a whole nother episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk uh, about jams. Yeah. I, I've also uh, seen and been a part of some really great jams in New York, but there are, I, I just, there was a new level of it um, in some ways I, because it, it's, the, it's kind of like um, it's, I think for a jam host, it's like this, this weird hybrid between being um, a show host and being a workshop instructor where, um, it should be your responsibility and is um, to set the tone for a safe place um, to, to people who are strangers to you and each other um, and to facilitate that as, as it goes. But, but like there are a lot of jam hosts that aren't necessarily teachers or haven't had a lot of experience um, setting that tone. Uh, and yeah. But, uh, and there's been, People who are performing, no matter how many years you have under your your jam host belt, will will shake you because I can't believe you thought it'd be okay to say that on a stage in front of people. You know, <laughs> yeah, but that's <laughs> that's yeah. truly that like that Ooh. first couple of weeks of intro one and and jam hosting. I think is yeah. some of like the most. Uh, you really have to be. You really have to be prepared. And ready and comfortable. I guess like that's another thing with like you got to be comfortable enough with yourself and comfortable enough with your position to make sure that it is like a as safe and welcoming a place as it as it should be for the people that are in that room. And like I know that I for sure didn't really understand or realize that until I started doing it. Like things that would never occur to me to do or that like I had seen other people do that. I was just like, oh, oh whoa, you know, um, <laughs> being the person that being like, oh, oh, whoa, oh, I'm in charge of this. <laughs> like, yeah. what do I do? Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's, yeah. Yeah. Because there's that delicate balance of sometimes someone's being too much because they're just too much that's their personality. And sometimes they're just so excited. They're doing too much just because they they're excited and they don't know what to do with the energy. And you're, and you're trying not to side coach too much while you're hosting. But then again, like you want to protect everybody on the stage. It's, it's, it could be frustrating. Yeah. No. What, just uh, before we um, run out of time here, Jenny, what, what have been some of the um, things that you've learned uh, that, you would advise people who are hosting a jam or in that situation to kind of set a tone or be prepared for like, are there, are there specific things that, that come to mind uh, in that learning curve where you're like, man, I wish I had known this and this uh, earlier. Yeah. I think one thing, one thing that I really wish that I had better internalized before teaching, especially um, is that, whether or not you regard yourself as being like somebody who is like a super proficient or good improviser, whether or not like you have all the answers, like if you're seeing something in your class and it feels bad to you, it feels bad to a lot of people in that room. Yeah. So call it out. Like don't, don't be afraid to set boundaries and set a tone before you even start anything in a class. And I think a lot of people do that. And so the, I think the really important part and the part that I wish that I had understood better was that you're asking people to trust you when you set those standards where you're showing people if they can trust you is the first time something like that pops up. How do you handle it? Um, so making sure that you know for you what that looks like. And, and you can't know like everything that's going to pop up. You will not be able to predict like the, things will shock you forever for the right. rest of your life, I think. But yeah. I think you can have like a pretty 
clear conversation with either somebody who is like a more seasoned instructor, the person running the program at the theater that you're at to say, okay, like if this situation should arise, this is how I think I'd respond to it. What do you think about that? Like, what are your tools for responding to this? Make sure that you feel ready to address those things. Um, and I think like as improvisers, we're probably a little bit better equipped than most people to like roll with the punches of something. But when you are in that different kind of role and something comes up, I think that I wish that I had, I had known how to prepare myself to deal with those things as opposed to just being like, you can't do that voice because it's racist. Like, well, it, why? why it's like like having confidence yeah. enough in yourself yeah. to say like we're not doing that in here so like let's move on and not being like well it just and crumbling because like you were talking about bob when you don't realize you have that power it can be yeah. really hard when somebody's pushing on it because they can see that you are not mm -hmm. quite sure if you have it so being prepared yeah. for that i think in the space of a jam like i think you should usually I wish that I had I'm trying to think like, I, I think that you should probably host more than one person, have more than one person up there. Yes. Um, and I guess I wish that I had known that like, I can just, you could just cut it short. I wish that I had known yep. that you can just cut it short um, just immediately. Like it could be the first line in like, cut it. Don't feel bad for the person who didn't do anything wrong. Right. You can bring them up again. Like, I think I was so like wedded to, this is the, this is how the game works. We haven't even yeah. gotten to the game. Yeah. This got, story got, has to have a part. <laughs> <laughs> and it sounds and feels so obvious to me now, but at the time it didn't, you right. know. And um, well, no one's taught to, how to host. It, it, it just it just it's like a baton that gets handed to you. You're like, well, I guess I'm doing this now. Uh, where's the list of games? Let's do this. Yeah, you know. I I think like I really wish that I had known that it was like okay for me to. Yeah old boundaries and space for what I saw as like appropriate, I guess like holding appropriate boundaries is okay. And I think for me a little bit at first, it's like, well, maybe I'm more offended by things than everybody else. Or maybe I, there were so many times that there were things that I was like, I think that's offensive. I think that's offensive. And, and others didn't see it that way. Um, and I think that's okay. Like that's probably a whole other like conversation yeah. to have too, where it's like, you know, that, I mean, that's a whole discussion, but, but like it, if, if the theater says you're the one running the show, it's your show to run. So if yeah. it's offensive to you and I, I wish I'm going to said that I, I just came up with that right now. I like it. So let's, let's get a time machine, go back, tell me, tell you uh, James, if you want it, I'll, I'll tell you as well. It's, it's <laughs> call scene. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And like, that's, especially if you're newer, like, and you're, you're edit shy, man, yeah. you, oh. I would have called scene so much. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking from like what I wish I knew from the perspective of like somebody running a show, but like, as like an improviser fucking yeah. call scene, yeah, <laughs> like edit the fuck out of stuff. And right? like, if you see something that you're like, uh, it's gross. Yeah. <laughs> edit it. Whether you're you know, you're in the scene internally, edit. Like don't I, be don't yeah. be shy about getting yourself out of a fucking shitty situation. Like yeah. let me get it. your opinion on this, Jenny. Uh <laughs> so I've had this I've had this situation happen to me a couple of times where there there would be a male improviser who likes to I don't know, I don't know what the psychology of this is, but like <laughs> if he's in a scene with you, like you're his you know, it would make you slutty or like woman shame, or I don't know what, like, yeah. oh, there's my horrible wife type guy. <laughs> and then I call a scene, I, and maybe him and the, and, and the female performer have a relationship, like, and she sticks up for him. And I'm like, I can't, I can't tell you, but yeah, I can tell you. I, yes, I can tell you that that was horrible. And I don't want to see this, but I feel bad as a as a dude telling a woman that she can't play the horror wife or whatever this guy's <laughs> but but then again i don't feel bad about it but i do feel bad in the moment like well she's telling me it's okay i know it's not okay it, like it's weird it's a it's a paradox D just 
not him. He can go fuck off, but her, like, I, I feel bad. Well, I think that's really complicated um, <laughs> because, like, I think it completely depends on the relationship that those two people have. I think it yeah. completely depends because, like, if I was doing a scene with, like, Mitch, who is my husband, and right. he did that. I mean, I don't know. Would you edit that? Like, you wouldn't do that. Well, <laughs> I if see. I knew he was your husband and we, we've all been friends for 12 years, no. But if I'm hosting a jam and you guys oh, show up right. independently and he, he, that's the first thing out of Mitch's mouth, which would never be a thing, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And then you might be like, ah, it's cool. He's cute. Yeah, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I guess like in that situation what sticks out to me is like if you're yeah. if that's happening and you're like hosting a jam or something like it's it's less about like if you as a host are like nah that's like crossing a line then like yeah mm -hmm. for sure and if like you're on a team with somebody and you think it's crossing a line like yeah I mean I don't know like and, and if it if the woman on your team is telling you that like that felt okay for her like okay that that can be That's true the, and it can yeah. also be true that like for you that was going to a place that felt like it should be edited like those yeah. things can exist at the same time um because yeah i mean i don't think it's like very helpful for like me as a like a white woman to like tell somebody who is not a white woman like well, that's not okay for you because it's not okay for me. But I also sure. think that there's like a level of like trust that you build where like, if it's a jam, that level of trust, I think is very yeah. low. If it's a troop that's been playing for 10 or 15 years or something like that, you know, the, the, the level of trust is probably pretty high there. That's a long time to be performing together. So again, it's like tricky and complicated and it's that's why a governing too, yeah. body probably wouldn't work. Yeah, much to yeah. my disappointment. Well, I think uh, us as instructors, or like the peers, should be the governing body. I guess because when things have come up at the theater that we've all worked at, like I, I think there were not always, but like you said, it, it was worse in the beginning. It's getting better and better, and I think we all have a way of. It seems like anytime there's been anybody who was a troublemaker, they, you know, whether it's been advertently or directly, have been shown the door. I mean, we could get better. We always can get better. Everything needs to get better all around. But yeah, I think we're stepping in the right direction. Yeah. I think there's a lot of um, kind of uh, uh, taking out the, the, the bad seeds or whatever that's going on and i think that that's good but i also think that the kind of conversation we're having here and the ideas that you are um presenting jenny are are more about like uh, being a best positive influence because that uh because of that ripple effect that that the same positive dominance can can have you know so it's it's gotta you do have to work at it from from both sides of like kicking out the bad and also uh stepping up the game to represent what you want. And, and even in like the jam situation or, or um, at your example, Bob is like, well, yeah, if you, if you're hosting at a theater, it's easier to, to just say, or teaching a class for a theater. If the theater has a strong mission statement, um, then it's easier to just point to that and be like, uh, Hey, it's okay for you. Uh, and I'm glad you do have a nice, you know, uh, uncensored relationship, but for house rules, um, it was, you know, no, no, no play zone or whatever. Um, and, uh, and then if you, and if you aren't doing that for a theater, then you have to come up with that for yourself as like a coach or, or for a team, you have to have your own mission statement, uh, as a team to be like, we are, we are uncensored, no taboo. And, that's how we play. So uh, you need to find a coach that is also in agreement with that and a theater to play with that'll allow it. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and uh, same thing with, for the coaches, like whatever your standards are, you have to also respect that. Like if other people are less, more or less uh, sensitive to subject matter that um, you can't force them, it might just not be a good fit. 
you can only just say that like, well, based on my experience in philosophy, um, I'm trying to impart a little bit more, uh, a different focus for you guys. Jenny, uh, will you, so tell me a, a little bit, cause I, I, I really, um, have respect you as a uh, teacher and a coach. Um, do you have, and, and I know that you have, have like a really great reputation with people that you have coached and, and taught as well. Like in thinking about all this stuff, if you were to start coaching again tomorrow, pandemic just goes away. What um, I don't know. Like, like w- w- are there things that you would start doing uh, more of, less of, or differently than, than uh, before? Yeah, I think so. Um, definitely. I, I think that like for me, just in my mind and personally, I would probably go in more acutely aware of like that power dynamic. Uh, even if the people in the group that I'm coaching are people that like I know on some level or I've like had as a student before, like I, I would be, I think I would approach that relationship differently than I would you know, being friends with somebody or having a conversation with them after the show or something like that. In the past, I hadn't always done that. And I think it's because I did not see myself as somebody who had any power in the relationship. I was just kind of there with like other people. Like, why would you want my opinion? I don't know. And I got myself into a lot of trouble that way because there does come a time, I think, as like a coach or as a teacher where you you are going to have to command control of something or command respect of something just by nature of it. And when you blur those lines or you don't, it doesn't, that's not to say that you can't be friends with people that you're coaching or teaching. Cause I think that you can, but like having that distinct boundary, I think is something that would be a little bit different. Um, And setting that very intentionally at at the beginning of that relationship. Um, I think that that's a big thing. I think just in general too, like I, I think I have more respect for what power and authority means in these situations, having had some time away from it and being a little bit removed, having some time to examine it. Um, and I think that, uh, the other thing that I would bring is like lending my power a little bit differently. Um, maybe, you know, it was always important to me if I was casting a show or, or involved in like doing a show that like there were people in it who had different or less experience and, and things like that. Um, but I, I think I would probably be way more intentional about making that space and thinking about what that looks like practically beyond just saying like, Hey, you, do you want to be like a part in this show? Like that's one thing. But then like, once they're in the room with you, how are you making sure that like, you're making sure that person feels comfortable, that person feels like fostered, like they're learning, like they're like, they're part of, of the process and not just like, Oh, like I'm, I'm a new person around all these people who have been doing it. So I better like shut up. Like, being more thoughtful about those kinds of things. I think that's, that's what I would bring differently to it. Yeah. I love that, uh, that concept or or phrasing of uh, lending power from the, the, the theater to the teacher director and then uh, to other individuals. And I, I think that's an awesome thing to um, just encourage people to, to do and to think about is lending power. And also like fostering. Like I, I think, I think sometimes when we're putting up shows, we get a little rushed. So if we forget to take care of somebody who may be not, may not be as comfortable as we are, you know, cause they haven't been doing as long or, you know, may not feel as empowered by the situation as we do. So to make sure like it's take a couple minutes, like just to have a conversation, it doesn't, doesn't take much effort. I mean, yeah. it does take effort and you should put in the effort, but when it really comes down to it, it's just a couple minutes, you know? Totally. Um, well, this has been such a great conversation, Jenny, and thanks yeah, for joining thank us you. to talk about it. Um, before we let you go, uh, you are also a co-host on the show Roach Coach. I am, yeah. Um, <laughs> Why are you laughing? You named it. <laughs> I'm just laughing because that show is is us talking about new metal and just like a lot of really dumb jokes and like and I'm like we really need to respect our power and on that show I'm just like. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I still agree, and I think that it comes through. And we we have done a lot of like tone setting and things like that, but right. it is just like uh, 
it's quite a departure from the kind of conversation <laughs> we had today. And that's why I was laughing. Oh, that's uh, funny. We're leaving on a light note. That's, well, that's fun. Yeah. <laughs> it's a really popular show and a really funny one. And, and uh, yeah. also on the Gabber Media Network with, um, with Improv FAQ at length. Um, so uh, with th that show or anything else that you're doing in the virtual world that um, you wanted to give a plug for before we let you go? Just Roach Coach. Sweet. All I've, I've been doing <laughs> other than that is reading. So Sweet. if you want to talk about... Any, any good book recommendations before we go? <laughs> uh, you know, I am uh, I'm reading a book called uh, Breath, and it's just about the way that we breathe and how that has evolved and how important it is. Uh, I'm about halfway through, but so far it seems like don't mouth breathe. Whatever you do, <laughs> mouth breathing wow. is not Keep it good. in your nose. Got it. I, I haven't read the back half. This could completely turn, <laughs> but right now I'm going on. Don't mouth breathe. All right. Uh, awesome. We'll, we'll take the recommendation and put it in the description. <laughs> Thank um, you. Um, thanks again, Jenny. Really, really great talking to you. Glad to know you're doing well. Yeah. yeah. Good Thank scene. you very much. And we'll catch you next time on Improv FAQ at length. Bye. Bye.